The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. How to Love Someone Who Cannot Love You Back. That's the title of one of the books that we'll be addressing thematically today on The Faith Debate. We've been spending the last few weeks and probably we'll be spending a number of weeks in the future as well talking about family matters, parenting, children, husband, wife, that sort of stuff. Last week we talked about the kinds of things one should think about before they become an adoptive family. This week we're going to try to focus more on, okay, now you're an adoptive family. What do you do? <laughs> And we're doing that with Imran and Daniel Razvi. They are pastors of a house church in the northern end of Frederick County, and also they've had a ministry for years now called Conquered by Love, and their website is conqueredbylove.org. And some of the books that they have out, and you can check them out at their website and, and see if any of these titles uh, do anything for you. In addition to the one I already mentioned, there's Caring for Someone Who Has Been Abused, a, tr a Trigger Journal, a workbook for caring for someone who has been abused. So some of their books have workbooks that go along with them. Uh, Godly Discipline for Adopted Children. Uh, give them three years. Allow them the healthy infanthood they never had. We touched upon that, actually, uh, last week a little bit. Um, by the way, I don't know if I've mentioned really what this is all about. This is the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD on the FM at 99.9 HD2 and all around the world at www.wfmd.com. Um Thank you so much for spending part of your Sunday morning with us. And we've gotten some nice notes from people recently. And, uh, you know, not that I'm going to beg for those, but they sure are appreciated. So if you want to send me a nice note, you can find all my contact information at householdoffaithinchrist.com. But maybe even more importantly, if you want to send a note to the uh, management of the radio station, let them know how much you appreciate. Like you couldn't get through the week if you didn't have a faith debate radio show. That, that would be appreciated, too. Uh, I, I, I don't know that I've ever really solicited that sort of thing before. I've been doing the show almost 18 years. Maybe I should have been doing it all along. We could have a whole, st we could wallpaper the walls with all the fan mail. I'm sure we would get. Uh, so adoption. Last week we talked about, you know, should I, shouldn't I? Somebody just said, okay, I should. And now they've adopted. And now they're dealing with the realities. And it's parenting. So all the things we've talked about a few weeks back would apply, right? Make yep. them feel you know, wanted and and needed and uh, secure and all, all, all those things are still in place. But it's more complicated, I'm imagining, with an adoptive situation. Well, as you mentioned last week, you're going to have to unlearn a whole lot of things in order to start from scratch, right? So it's not like you're bringing somebody in who's 7 years old or 10 years old and that's going to act like a 10-year-old that might already be in your home that you've had for 10 years. So not only do they not have any foundation, they actually have negative years because you have to unlearn and, and uh, some of those behaviors and train from scratch. So it does take at least a three years of infanthood. Really, don't treat them like a baby is not not really the the, the right phrase because it, it brings to mind you know you're belittling them or, or something. But really giving them that security. So my, treat them as the focus of your life, like you do with a baby. Yeah, my. Um, uh, Mom gave, gave the example of uh, she was walking through the grocery store uh, one time and, and she saw a, a two-year-old in somebody's cart and the two-year-old was kind of crying, kind of, kind of crying and, and whiny like he was tired um, and, you know, a little fussy. And uh, the other people in the grocery store are kind of giving that mother, you know, uh, empathetic looks. Oh, I'm so sorry you have to deal with that. You know, it's kind of hard to have a crying baby. And, you know, then you have, imagine now you have a parent walks in with their 12-year-old who's kicking and screaming, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, you got to feed me. Everybody's giving that parent dirty looks. Oh, how dare you? You're a terrible parent. How do you let your 12-year-old act like this? But 
if maybe the 12-year-old was just adopted and has never had three square meals in his life, does not know for a certainty that he's going to get dinner today. He really does not feel secure. He does not feel protected that he's, uh, that he's going to get his, his food for the day. And so he has that emotional baggage, as you said, baggage last week. So treat him like you would a baby. Make sure he knows and is, is completely sure that he's definitely going to get food. That's, that's a, maybe a silly example you might think, but it really happens more often than, than, yeah, than – And it would be hard enough if, they, if the child simply didn't have um, – all the right things going on, but there's probably been a lot of bad things going on. You know, I, I used to know a, a golf pro, and he talked about how his best students are the ones that never picked up a club before, because mm-hmm. it's so hard to unlearn bad habits. You know, if you have a horrible golf swing, he's got to like somehow get them to break their swing so that he can start to teach them to swing from scratch. And it's probably a lot, probably not all. I'm sure it's unfair to paint with a broad brush. But I imagine uh, even if they had an idyllic childhood growing, you know, and they're eight years old and everything's been, they've been the best model parents ever. But if they're all of a sudden in an adoptive situation, that means something horrible has happened. Yes. And so now they're dealing with, they were the perfect childhood and now it's a horror show childhood, right? Like, oh, my Mm -hmm. gosh. All of my security, the people who really wanted me and, and made me feel loved and appreciated, they're gone. And so you're, so even if everything was idyllic, it's not idyllic now. So, yeah, but even when saying that, that is more of a fairy tale type of adoption where somebody's killed in a car accident or a plane accident. They usually have extended family members that will take them in and, and they're okay. Most adoptive kids are coming from very abusive, drug-related right. situations. That's the majority of that. So it's very rare. It's more of the Disney type of coloring of, hey, this kid, these kids, you know, they lost their parents in some kind of accident, but they had a perfect child. That's rare, really rare. The biggest thing is a wake-up call. Well, the parents get a wake-up call because they don't feel loved. They don't feel appreciated. Hey, look, I did all this. I took time off from work. I spent my hard-earned money, and I adopted you. I took you out of this terrible situation where you were being abused or exposed to all sorts of different things, and I'm giving it all for you, and you're treating me this way? How dare you? That's the reaction we get from most parents. So how do you, how do you get past that? You've got to step back and remember what God did for us. God loved us while we were yet sinners. He pulled us out. He gave us a family. He gave us acceptance in Christ Jesus. He covered us with Jesus, uh, with Jesus' blood. He gave us all these things before we did anything to deserve that. It wasn't until after all of that salvation is complete that we could even begin to understand what's happened to us and to feel some kind of gratitude and maybe serve him in some tiny way before we pass away. Right? That's kind of philosophically addressing the how to love someone who can't love you back. Yeah, right. the, the newly adopted child has no capacity to love. You may feel some love, but that's more testing. That's more seeing how you're going to react, and it's not really love. It's it's more of a of of the child testing the waters. And first, it's going to be a honeymoon time period because they don't want to be sent back. So they're going to do everything you say for as a, in a honeymoon time period for a little while, and then the honeymoon's going to end. And then they're going to test you. They're going to push. They're going to do all sorts of nasty, terrible things trying to see if you really love them, if you really mean what you said the last few weeks or months. And you're going to find that the child has no capacity to love because they don't trust anybody. And They've, even worse if it's been an abusive situation. Absolutely. Right. right? Absolutely. Yep. So just expect that they're not going to return any love or show any gratitude and still help them go through just like you would help a baby. 
you don't expect your baby to wake up when you, you know, the day after it's born. Oh, mommy, I love you so much. Thank you for uh, spending your nine months and and, and all that uh, you know stress and morning sickness. You know, taking care of me. How does this change the dynamic of how? A, a parent might choose to discipline the child like it, it, in a typical situation like not everybody agrees but it's not unusual for uh, particularly bible believing families to feel like you know a little swat on the tush is uh, is appropriate on occasion mm-hmm. but if the child's coming out of an abusive situation maybe that's not the right way to right. go so because they associate that with a negative thing that that was very abusive and and evil and so it is it, that this is the hardest one for especially for Christians that we're, we're counseling is, oh, well, the Bible says, uh, you know, this is a way, a godly Spare way to the rod, spoil the child. That's, we get that all. And the so time. I have no argument that a spanking can be a, a very godly form of discipline. But we do caution that if, if there has been any abuse and, and in almost all cases for adopted children, there has been some kind of abuse, then maybe that's actually counterproductive. If it's specific. Now, what, what is biblical that's definitely commanded by Scripture, and I think without exception, adoptive parents need to do as well, is have consistent corrective discipline, especially when there's a sin issue. You, know, you need to be correcting that and disciplining. But there are other things you can do that don't involve uh, a physical uh, punishment. A chastisement does not mean physical punishment. Chastisement means that they have to be corrected and the correct behavior has to be demonstrated and practiced. And move I mean, in that direction. I mean, God God teaches us and chastises us, and not always that's physical. I mean, He gave uh, uh, Job had boils for a while. That wasn't necessarily uh, uh, comfortable at all. But there's also things that are that are not physical, right? God might give us a financial difficulty, or have us, uh, you know, uh, lose lose something else, or whatever. There's a lot of different things and stresses God can chastise with us with, or allow to happen that don't involve physical um, punishment. So. There's obviously we, we, with any sort of discipline for adopted children, you go back to the three steps we talked about. Training, make sure you train first, practice behavior, and then check on the emotional needs. This is going to be the, the first several years. You're really not, there's not a whole lot of punishment necessarily because they, don't, they haven't gotten those emotional needs met. But once that has happened and now there is still issues that still need to be dealt with, then have a, a punishment that fits the crime. We talked about this, I think, a couple months ago about jail in our society that I, I, I kind of feel like jail is not really a, a godly form of, uh, of punishment. You know, the punishment fit the crime. If you steal something, you repay. So restitution is, you know, a, a very useful tool in, in parenting and in punishment. You know, if you, if you hurt somebody, then you need to make it up to that person. Or if you were not responsible with this toy, maybe you shouldn't have that toy for a while. That, you know, th- those types of things. There are, there's a lot of things that you can do to fit whatever the behavior was. Even something that is outwardly or visibly a sin, let's say lying or stealing, right? That's a sin. It's not anything else. How would you correct that behavior? You could, most people go to spanking. Hey, that's a sin. Let's spank it out of them. Let's spank the devil out of them, right? But this is not a case where you do that. Uh, what we did with our children, if they lied, then they would spend the day with us, meaning that they cannot be out of our sight because we can't trust what they're going to say. So we have to experience everything they're doing. Oh, boy, was that difficult. It's hard for us, but it's hard for them. They see everybody else playing or doing other things, but they got to stay in the kitchen. they got to stay right outside the bathroom if we go to the bathroom. They, they, they have to stay with us for the entire day. That makes it very, very real for them that lying is not a good thing. we got to be able to build trust that my parents have to be able to trust me so that this doesn't happen anymore. Uh, Daniel, you had mentioned, used the word about, you know, if you hurt someone, you've got to apologize, make it right, whatever. That raises the question, if you've got a 
12, 13, 14, 15-year-old who's been in an abusive, difficult, maybe drug-infested kind of a situation, they might be dangerous. So, And there's a lot of, if you can just Google, you can find lots of horror stories about uh, dangerous kids that came into the home, and, and there's, there's problems that happen with that. Um, so that's a, that's, that's a legitimate. So if you mm -hmm. have other kids in the house, you might want to really be thinking carefully about what age bracket you're going to bring a child in, for example. Because right. a four-year-old's probably not going to be a physical threat, but a 14-year-old could be. Yeah. Right. But would you leave a, an infant alone in a room by themselves for three hours? You wouldn't. So why would you leave a 14-year-old that's an infant in your house alone for three hours. Yeah. Is, is this the way that most, uh, like an adoption agency or whoever helps people transition with it, do they address these things the way you talk no. about it? No. It's, in oh. fact, we've trained many social workers and adoptive agencies on some of the th concepts we have. And many of them said, this makes a lot of sense, but what's the central thing that, that's holding all together? It's God. No, no, no. Except your faith. There's something else holding it all together. No, no. It's God. <laughs> no, I understand you believe in God, but tell me what's, what's bringing this all together. So they don't get that. Unless they're saved, unless they have a relationship with God, they don't understand these are biblical principles. This is the reason we do this is because God loved us and he showed us how to do this. And many, many, many people adopt children thinking they're adopting a dog. The dog's going to give them unconditional love. A child is not going to do that. They're intelligent beings. They're not going to do that. They don't trust you. But what if you adopt a, an abused dog? Abused dog's not going to love you either. They're going to bite you. They're going to snap at you because they're afraid. It's just a little bit longer with adoptive children because children are a little smarter than, than animals are. So you're going to have that problem. So you, you don't ex adopt a child and expect them to love you and fawn all over you and thank you and, and praise you for your great deed of adoption. They're going to test you. And they're going to, when you think that everything's resolved and stuff, they're going to test you again. And that's something that you, you have to be aware when you're going to giving. You know, God is long-suffering. Be long-suffering. That's the best picture. I and mean, we talked about that. Adoption is a picture of God's love for us. Just keep coming back to that place. That's You have to have the right mindset in order to frame all of this that's going on in the home is what did, what is God, what did God do for me, right? It's kind of like in, in marriage. Oh, I can't believe my wife's being this way. Look, I don't deserve that. Well, yeah, you don't deserve to be alive. You deserve to go to hell. Okay, so same thing with adoption. Oh, I, well, I don't. My my kids treating me this way. I, I don't deserve it. No, you're right. You don't. You deserve to go to hell and burn for all eternity because you're a sinner. So what did God do? Did He do that? No. He He offered you and He pulled you out of that and gave you salvation. This is what we uh, do. And it reminds me of one of the great classic, one of the many great classic lines from R.C. Sproul, uh, now dearly departed R.C. Sproul. Um, he said in one of his uh, teachings, he says, be very, very careful about asking God for justice. Yes. <laughs> You're right. You might just get it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's scary. <laughs> but it's yep. true. I mean, Jesus said, right? The, the, he sent the prophets, he sent this, and then he sent his only son. And what did they do? They killed him. This is what we did. Right. To God's only son, we killed him. That's the salvation. This is what, and, and then we think, oh, well, how can my eight-year-old I adopted spit in my face like that? So this non is what we did. A non-biblical worldview, you know, these sin issues, the non-biblical world, we wouldn't call them sin. But these no. misbehaviors, these maladaptive <laughs> situations, whatever, these sin issues are real regardless if you have a biblical worldview sure. or not. So how you deal with it, it seems like the system probably these well, They've got a lot of names for it and a lot of medicines for it. I was going to say, it's probably just medicine on top of medicine Absolutely. on top of medicine, right? And, and every in almost every case, most adoptive kids are medicated and medicated heavily.
and you have to get them off the medication with your doctor's help to make sure they don't have reactions, and you have to solve the emotional needs that are that are that are the problems. And most of these medicated uh, symptoms go away because the emotional needs are met. Not in every case. There are, there are cases that there's going to be challenges and, and things like that. But there are, you can solve a lot of these by meeting all the needs that God meets in us. That's what the world wants to do. They just medicate everything. Because, and, and parents do the same thing even without medicine for their two- and three-year-old. Oh, I don't feel like spending the time playing with my three-year-old. I'm busy. Put him in front of the TV. Let him watch whatever. That's medication. Right. It's it's just a different form of medication. Or actually using medication, you know, for oh, they, they they need their child to take a nap at a particular time, so they give them Nyquil. Yep. Yep. And Troy, you know, if you see see a man drowning, you can probably save him, right? But you see a man dying of sin, can you save him? Can you do anything to save that person? No, you can't. Only God can. So, whether they're birth children or adoptive children, all we can do is lay a foundation and expose them to the gospel, and act like Christ in their lives, only the Holy Spirit can save them. It doesn't matter if they're birth children or adoptive children. Yeah, the challenge, I, you know, I, I'm trying to look at this outside of my own worldview, which is, is difficult, but it's a good exercise. We should all try to yeah, do this. That's a really difficult thing. Yeah, you know, but try to get outside of our own worldview and look at this, and it sounds, uh, Somebody who doesn't understand God and Jesus and the Bible sounds nuts. Like, wait a minute. You're saying don't put my crazed child on drugs to make them less crazed? I should spend three years, like, being, uh, you know, taking off of work and treating them like they're – are you nuts? It yeah. sounds nuts. But yeah. doing the right thing right, right is, is nutty. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we wouldn't say that about a baby, right? Oh, you had a baby. Okay, just leave them at home all day while you're at work. No, you can't do that, right? You could go to jail for child abuse also. Um, so it, it's, it's important to have that mindset that they are, it is like a baby. And so you have to be willing to give that commitment to the several years. Are there some, uh, like, I know pop culture is the right way to think about this, but are there some, like, pop culture type of uh, resources or examples, like a, a good movie or something about adoption that, that has not, proven helpful that you could recommend? Not really. Not really. Hollywood does a really big disservice. And most, uh, most what Hollywood talks about adoption is, you know, either the idyllic, oh, their kids died in a plane crash and, and they're so grateful to have this wonderful home now, which isn't really ever the case, uh, at least not from the start. And, and then the other side of it is, oh, well, they, in the movies, the original family they go and find and oh this is such a wonderful family i can't believe i, I missed that before and and that's the news likes to show examples of oh see they reconnected you know after many uh, decades it, but there are there are maybe examples where you know some something is can be a positive um, relationship eventually but i think most of the movies and th things you read in the news and stuff about adoption really do a disservice and they don't give good examples of of how how it is real. Yeah, and even in Christian circles, like uh, Mark Schultz is a, a relatively well-known uh, contemporary Christian uh, songwriter and singer, and uh, he was adopted, and he wrote a song about it, and so he got some notoriety. But even that, it's a very plastic, uh, everything's kind of papered over. It's, it, it, it just reinforces the, is probably 99% of the time, a false, idyllic view of what it should be like. And we go to the movies to feel good, right? Right. So I don't blame Hollywood. I mean, Mark Wahlberg did, uh, did a movie, Instant Family. It had a lot of good points in it. But again, everything gets solved. In, in real life, they don't all get solved. In real life, you have problems forever. 
real life you have children that adopted and, that, and, and grow up, and, and there's always going to have problems. And that's birth children too. Yeah. You know, the whole story of the prodigal son, it doesn't appear in the story of the prodigal son that either of them were adopted. Um, but the prodigal son obviously went off and did, did – so he always had problems. Eventually he got saved in the story. But there's there's always going to be yeah. challenges. There's, there's another book uh, in the movie Blindside, and that again that was good too. But then you hear all these things about how um, Michael Lord says that that ruined his life or whatever else. You know, <coughs> there's always going to be side effects. So these movies are designed to make us feel good. And all I can say is adoption. Yes, there'll be a lot of good moments, but they're not not guaranteed. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Yeah, is it worth it to have a baby? Same thing with adoption. There's there's always positive things. So yeah. we're, we've been talking a lot of negative things and negative well, challenges. There's, there are positives. And we've known families that have had birth children that have the birth children have been done really terrible things. And so it's not about adoption. It's about and it's a life change thing too. So like the, the husband and wife need to make sure that they're aware of their marital relationship too, because you bring a big change into the family. It's same mm-hmm. with a natural birth, yeah. by the way, like right. biological birth. Oh it's yeah, it's the same thing. You're bringing a big change into the house. It could have effects across the board and in ways you hadn't imagined. Right, and you have to maintain the emotional needs of the children that are already there, because when you adopt the, the adopted children, are going to take all your time, and your birth children that were already there before are going to have that negative effect of lack of the emotional well, Just like when you have a three-year-old or a four-year-old and then you have another baby, now if suddenly the three- or four-year-old is going to act like an infant again. They're going to feel insecure. They're going to ask for all attention because it, right. it's the same thing when you bring adopted children in. I'm surprised I hadn't thought to ask you yet. Uh, and we got a couple minutes left, so I'm not sure if you need a couple minutes to answer this, but what's the best way or what are some of the better ways to handle letting the child know they've been adopted? Like if they were adopted when they were so young that they wouldn't know. You adopt a baby, you adopt a one-year-old, a two-year-old. They don't. They might not know that they were adopted. What's the best way to handle letting them know? Uh, uh, really, by God's example, we're adopted into God's family. So as we minister, so let's say it's a baby, and the baby has no idea and no, no knowledge of being adopted. Well, as they learn God's story of what God did, and we got adopted into God's family, and then as you feel comfortable and you feel that they're emotionally strong enough, and usually it's a little bit later in time, uh, when they feel secure, you know, you start asking questions about what do you feel about that? How do you think about that? And it's going to be different for each child. But almost without fail, whenever that happens, and you usually see it happen when, when they're adopted as infants, as soon as they find out they're adopted, that's like a, it's like a midlife, midlife crisis, but for a 10-year-old or a 4-year-old, and they go through all those emotional challenges again. Oh, well, I, 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 they didn't want me. They didn't want me. I, I was a bad uh, thing. That's the, the, and so they go through. They There's need to be wanted. Me. It's security. always focused on themselves. And so, so yeah. you're going to go through that with your adoptive child when they learn that they're adopted. That's going to happen. Some of these same strategies would be in place for divorced situations too, right? Yeah. Where the son or daughter doesn't—it's their fault. They right. they got divorced because mm-hmm. they didn't want me anymore. There's probably some of that that, that oh, yeah. goes on. Some parents might be tempted to never tell their child. Do you think that's ever appropriate? I don't think it's necessary to tell the child. I mean, they came into your family; they're, they're your child. What does it matter what their history was? I mean, when you're saved, you're wiped clean. What does it matter what your history was? Yeah, the only thing I think would be like the medical information, right? Possibly, not necessarily. When you get a baby born, you don't really have any medical things before. It could be totally different, right? I mean, I I married a woman from the opposite side of the earth. I'm from Pakistan. She's from German descent, but from from America. Yet our children still have allergies. Who would have thought? Two totally different genetics, and we got kids with allergies. So you don't know. You can't protect yourself. You can't insulate yourself from sin. We're in a sinful world. And sin is here and it's breaking down the world. 
Yeah, well, this has all been informative, hopefully helpful for those that are, uh, you know, thinking through these things. Think through them with your spouse. Don't, you know, don't spring it. Hey, honey, we're adopting. I listened to a radio show and I got all sorts of information. We're ready to go now. <laughs> yeah, we do have a lot of resources in conquerbylove.org. We are a nonprofit organization. We are we're welcome to uh, ask us to speak at uh, your church or your uh, uh, place, wherever you want to have that. We do workshops. There's a lot of information, and uh, we're self-supporting. We don't have any church supporting us, but we just want to share the information and hopefully help you get into a better position and hopefully get your children unmedicated and and more secure with their family. And we'll have more information about raising families and that sort of stuff because they've got more materials on other issues we haven't even touched in the last several weeks. We've spent uh, the last month now talking about these things, and hopefully it's been a blessing to you. Thank you, Imran. Thank you, Daniel. The Razvies, they've got a church, a house church in the north end of Frederick County. I've got a house church in the center of Frederick County. It's called Household of Faith in Christ. Their website that you should check out is conqueredbylove.org. My website is householdoffaithinchrist.com. And, of course, the radio station's website is WFMD.com. Give them a quick look, too. We'll be back next week, 167 and a half hours from now. God bless.